Father, we thank you this evening for an opportunity to hear your holy word. We pray that your word will minister to us and simply send in clarity of speech. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the teacher that will lead us into all truth and will minister to us and bring clarity, understanding, and yet flow in the fullness of your power. Thank you that our session tonight will be life-transforming and life-changing in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, welcome. Last week, we started our series of teachings on joy from the book of Philippians from chapter 4, which is the last chapter. And we looked at the first five verses. And uh, we realized that Apostle Paul was talking to us now, not just to the Philippian church, but now to us about two sisters who were feuding. And like I said last week, church splits, church, you know, misunderstanding, misgivings, it's nothing new. It's, it's as Asians as the word that. Amen. So uh, some sisters, Eudoya and Sintike, were not getting along. They were not of the same mind. And Paul had already um, repeated this instruction in chapter 2, verse 2, talking about you should be of the same mind, have the same love, be of one accord. So now he now emphasizing on that in, in chapter 4 was for a reason, was for these people to make up. And one of the things we say is that when joy is being made perfect, you will not have ranklings and, you know, unforgiveness and grudges. Yeah, you might have misunderstanding. You might not disagree. You might disagree. Even Paul himself on record, he had a lot of disagreements. Okay, if you read the book of Acts, one man, he didn't get along with many people. And not because he was cantankerous or ill-natured. I just think it's because of the passion, the calling, and the, the burden of ministry upon him was quite different from his colleagues in ministry. You know, So I think that's the difference between Paul and his relationship with the apostles who were alive during Jesus' ministry and Eudoya and Sintike. Paul didn't allow his disagreements or misgivings he had with the church leaders to disintegrate into a grudge whereby they are no longer talking. I, I believe that even Paul and Peter, you know, because Peter during Paul's time was seen as like the, the head of the church. They had doctrinal disputes, right? But I believe after all is said and done, Paul will not harbor a grudge against Peter. Okay, so that's the difference. It's okay to have disagreements, misgivings, but it's not okay to have a grudge which promotes strife, which promotes division. If that happens, it means your joy is not made perfect. And like we said last week, there are some Christians, anywhere you put them, there is a fight. You put them in any, any department in ministry, there is a fight. At any, in their workplaces, they fight. Everywhere they go, there has to be fire. And they'll be saying things like me, I'm a no-nonsense man. Yeah, you might be no-nonsense, but you have really explained to us the absence of joy in your life because the day joy will have its perfect work in your life, one of the things that you will embrace peace, you will embrace reconciliation, you will embrace let us be of one accord. Amen. Joy tempers your speech. And I think we have talked about that in the uh, subsequent, um, I'm sorry, previous chapters. Amen. So that was one of the things we learned that we should we should strive for peace. Anybody who is joyful in the Lord will strive for peace. These days, one of the things I think that makes me angry is social media. I don't even like going because it's like if I go, then if I'm going to be angry, what's the point? I think it's also my circle of friends. Maybe if you don't have the circle of friends I have, maybe if you go there, you will be joyful. Most of my friends are pastors. Pastors, Christian theologians, Christian apologists, stuff like that. It's always a fight. Always. Always. I have this one particular friend. Whenever I talk, I say, so you, can you read your status updates? Because when he posts one post about 300 comments, oh, 
arguments, with thesis, and you know, there are some people too, they don't write comments, they write thesis, you know, with paragraphs. I'm like, man, if when I read it, I get upset for my friend. I'm like, my God, too much argument and splitting heads over non-essentials. Do you understand me? Things that really we need to talk about, we won't talk about. Like when people dispute that whether Jesus is Lord or not, these are things we have to talk about. You know, in the Bible, we have to make a defense of some things. Some things too, we shouldn't really bother stretching into the points that um, we, we bring this unity and discord among the body of Christ. We don't promote concord and accord among Christian brethren. Amen. I mean, social media, when I use it, I don't use it for theological. It, I don't have time. That's not the purpose why I'm there. I'm there to connect and make friends. That's it. No, I don't have time to do teachings. Because for me, it's not even effective. If I want to preach the word of God, that's fine. But if I want to really engage in a theological discourse, I'd rather sit down with you on phone or some other avenue, but not on social media, where you have people who have different levels of faith reading into, into, into your comments. And sometimes they might not even be blessed. They might all serve as a distraction. Amen. So too much, too much of it. And sometimes it's the absence of joy. You will think that you are called to straighten people's doctrine, but really you have implicated yourself by letting us know that you are a joyless Christian. Amen. Not everything is worth arguing about. Not everything. Everything should not be your, your cup of salt, honestly. Not everything. Read the Bible carefully. Amen. One of the things that we also learned is that we have to be gentle. A, a joyful Christian is gentle. Amen. So Paul says that we should let our moderation our gentleness. And what does that mean? It means fair mouth. Okay? We should be fair and mouth towards all people. You know, to be fair, you have to be firm. Because fairness talks about absence of discrimination Absence of partisan politics. You have to be fair. You can't be fair if you are not fair. Amen. Gentleness is not for weak people. To be meek, you have to be strong. Amen. Like Jesus. And we read the scripture in John chapter 8. Jesus was fair. Let your gentleness be known to all men. That's what Jesus did. John chapter 8. He made his disposition which was fair and mild. He was harmless to the lady who was vulnerable, yet he was fair to the perpetrators and the accuser of the woman. Amen. So let's be fair. It's Christian. Amen. So we brought our study home that joy promotes the unity of the spirit uh, in the bond of peace. Ephesians 4.3, it says we should endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. It means we will strive to live at peace with all men. And then secondly, it will affect our disposition towards all men. So these are the two main lessons we learned from the first five verses of Philippians chapter 4. Amen. So now let's, let's go on. Verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 7. And the peace of God, which passes all men, I'm sorry, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. 
and the God of peace will be with you. I want you to notice two phrases. Our last verse in verse 9, the peace of God. Sorry, the God of peace. The God of peace. Then I want you to look at this phrase in verse 7, the peace of God. All right. So verse 7 talks about the peace of God. Verse 9 talks to us about the God of peace. Amen. So Paul now starts with be anxious for nothing. What's the meaning of this word anxious? It means to be troubled with cares absolutely. It's not just being troubled with cares absolutes. That for me, that's my key word. So when you are anxious, it means that you are absolutely troubled with cares. It's taken over your mind, your emotions, and you cannot even reason well. That's anxiety. Anxiety takes over your mind, takes over your 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 emotions, your soul, your soul, basically. Well, your soul has three compartments, your mind, your will, your emotions. So when you are anxious, you are troubled absolutely in your soul. That's the sign of anxiety. And for us to shed more light on anxiety, let's look at Matthew chapter 6. Now, in this, in this time we live in, anxiety is going to be on the rise. So I think this is apropos. Verse 25. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. All right. What's the meaning of the word therefore? Anybody can just write it in the chat box. What's the meaning of the word therefore? I think I've explained this quite a lot of times. You don't start a statement with therefore. Therefore is a continuing statement. So what's the meaning of the word therefore? You could just drop your idea in the chat box. I appreciate it. Nobody? All right. Therefore means on this ground or for this reason. So whenever you read a statement from therefore, you have a very incomplete understanding of the statements. For you to understand a statement that starts with therefore, it's always important to look at the preceding statements and then you'll be able to get the full understanding of the statements now in a bigger picture. So you will not understand this until you read the preceding verses. So now let's read from verse 24 to 25. No, verse 24, I'm sorry. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else you will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. For this reason, so that's the meaning of the word therefore or on this ground. So you can't serve God and mammon. Mammon is a spirit that rules through money. You can't serve God and mammon. You can't. For this reason, I say to you, don't worry about your life. Because all these things, you will need money. Are you understanding me? You will need money for eating and drinking. You will need money to take care of the body. You will need money to buy clothing. You need money for all these things. But Jesus is challenging their thoughts. Don't serve money 
Don't let the God of money be your God. Serve me. You can't serve me and then you are serving mama. It doesn't mean like you don't work. You do work. You do work. So because you, you can easily interpret this that Jesus is saying that, no, that's not what he's saying. Don't come to a place whereby this has become your God. And when it becomes your God, you, you, you have absolute and total dependence on this. Jesus is trying to say that, look, you can live without the existence of money. I'm trying to win you from your total dependence of God. Do you remember that these people, they had just been called into the ministry? All they knew was, we fish, we make money for the day, and then we have our daily needs. Jesus looked at these disciples who were among the audience. Jesus was teaching and he told them, leave everything. Leave everything. Follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. He has weaned them off the dependence of money. Say, now trust me. At one time, Jesus said, when I sent you without money, did you lack anything? They answered, Lord, we didn't lack anything. It's possible to live. Amen. It's not promoting laziness. It's just promoting the over-dependence on money than on God. There are some people, they don't trust that God is their provider. They trust money. They trust the source of their work. And if you are going to live like that in these times, you'll be very disappointed. Amen. You'll be very disappointed. Yeah. So God should be our trust. God should be our number one source. So we can see why anxiety can take place or worry can take place, which means to be troubled with cares absolutely. How does it happen? When you are too over-dependent on money. It affects you, your life, what you eat, what you drink, you know, your clothing and all that. Jesus is saying that for this reason, I'm telling you, don't worry about your life. Don't. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your life. Thank God. It's good to work. I work. I, I work, right? But at the end of the day, make sure that your dependence is not on your source of income from your workplace. Your dependence should be from God. I believe that God is my provider, even though I work. Amen. Because if you don't believe in that, it will be very difficult to break free from the hold of mammon, especially when God impresses upon your heart to be a blessing. It will be very difficult. You will not be able to do that. People who are controlled by money, they are too strict and rigid with budgets. We are not, and we, we are also not saying that waste money. But sometimes when God wants to break your over-dependence of money, he will, he will impress upon your heart. Minister to somebody. Sow this seed to another church. And you know it. says the dependence, over-dependence on money. Because when, when, when that happens, you will be worried. And Jesus says that, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Can't. It's no, no, no need. Why do you worry about clothing? Consider the leaves of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of this. If God can clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, how much more will he not clothe you, O you of little faith? You are thinking that money is the only thing that you will need to buy clothes. Jesus is challenging the Jewish people here that God can also clothe you. 
God can also clothe you. Therefore, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. God already knows. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day. It's its own trouble. So there's a picture of anxiety. And one of the reasons why people are worried is when there is lack of money or no money. Amen. Trust in God. Amen. So today I just want you to raise your level of faith beyond your source of income to trust in God. Amen. So when you don't have money, don't shake. Don't worry. When the pandemic came, many people were anxious. Why? Because of this scripture. It showed some people that, oh, surely I serve mammon. I don't serve God. Trust God. The Bible encourages diligence. The Bible encourages being industrious. The Bible admonishes us that when you become diligent, you will be rewarded with money, which is a blessing. But don't let the blessing of money become a God, where it will hinder your relationship with him. Amen. So anxiety. So when you see a Christian who is anxious, when you see a Christian who is troubled with cares absolutely, it is a sign that he doesn't have the joy of the Lord. Because that is what will take care of that. That's why in verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say unto you, rejoice. Then verse 6, be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious. Don't be troubled with cares absolutely. In this world, there will be so many cares. Don't be troubled with cares absolutely. It doesn't mean you don't care. But what it means is that, hey, I'll just put it in the hands of God. I can only do what God can let me do. Because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, when you worry, can you add one cubit to your stature? You can't. So what's the essence of worrying? Worrying is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but you are going nowhere. Amen. And that's anxiety. People who are anxious worry, worry a lot. So how do you deal with worry? Look at verse 6 of Philippians chapter 4. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. A joyful Christian prays daily. We saw this in chapter 1. And let me read it again. Chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1. Look at Paul. This, this was Paul in prison. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. So Paul prayed. He prayed always. Why? Because he was a joyful Christian. If you're a joyful Christian, you pray. So that's one way by which joy is expressed. When you see a Christian who always prays privately and joins corporate prayer as a church, you are looking at a joyful Christian. That's why I'm saying that when you are looking for hallmarks of joy, don't just look at LOL, laughing out loud. Not necessarily. Of course, there is an aspect of that. But when you see a Christian who prays, prays about everything, you are seeing a joyful Christian. Amen. So Paul says that the way we deal with anxiety is prayer. When you are driving and when your, your car is on E, it means you're full of empty. You need to refill. 
So when you see A in your life, what stands for anxiety? Check your level of joy. Check your level of joy. And how do we cultivate joy? Having a fellowship with the Holy Spirit, whereby the fruit of the Spirit will be made manifest. Amen. So, verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ. Amen. So that's what prayer can do. Prayer is an invitation to the peace of God. Whenever we pray, we invite the peace of God into our hearts and our minds. And the word God here, it uses the word garrison, the military term. And garrison is normally a place whereby soldiers keep watch. All right. It could be a precious place. It could be um, the gates of the city or anything of that sort. They, they, it's with vigilance. So peace here is even seen as a soldier. Peace will guard your heart and mind. It will, it will prevent heart diseases, anything of the mind, you know, any somatic uh, uh, illnesses and lapses, anything of that sort, it will block it. Prayer is an invitation to the peace of God. But peace can rest well in a joyful heart. Peace rests well in a joyful heart. Amen. Prayer is an, is an invitation to the peace of God. And peace can rest well in a joyful heart. Amen. So it's important for us to be joyful. Amen. So the peace of God which passes all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds through Jesus Christ. I pray for you listening to me that may you experience peace. I don't know what you may be going through. Maybe you have some deadlines at work that may give you some stress. Maybe financially speaking, it's not adding up. I pray may you have peace. And, you, and, and sometimes you will not just have peace because the preacher will proclaim and will, will prophesy and decree and declare peace upon you. It will happen if you make a concerted effort to pray. And not just that, make it a decision that I will be joyful. Because peace will rest well in a joyful heart. The peace of God will manifest strongly in a joyful heart or in a joyful Christian. So at all times, let's be joyful. Amen. And we can only be joyful when anxiety is out of the picture. And one of the major signs of anxiety is when there is no money. What Jesus was saying knew was going to be a source of worry. In you don't serve God and mammon on this reason. Take no thoughts for yourself, don't worry, you'll be fine. Because in my kingdom, you don't just need money to answer basic needs, God can answer basic needs, and I think we must all raise our level of trust and our level of faith to that. God can take care of your needs. When a Christian gets to understand that you live a freeing life, you've broken away from mammon. Amen. Mammon is very powerful. And the thing about mammon is that when you follow mammon, the Bible says that you will pierce your heart with many sorrows. You know, there's not a very popular message to preach now especially in an era of consumerism, it's not that that's the reality. Work hard. Thank God for the blessing of money, which can be a reward for hard work. But at the end of the day, don't over-depend on that and let it become your God. 
And what are the signs that money can be your God? When you don't have fellowship with God, money has become your God. Money has become your God. You chase money so much to the point that you don't have fellowship with God. Money has become your God. Money has become your God. And when money becomes your God, you will become very troubled. You are on the road and on the path to anxiety. Number two, when you miss Christian gatherings for money, money has become your God. Money has become your God. Amen. When you miss Christian gatherings for money, there are some people that will miss Sunday service, they will miss midweek Bible study, they will miss every service all because of mammon. You are controlled by mammon. You are serving the spirit that influences money. You miss everything. There are some people, they even have an opportunity to say, I'll, I'll come to service, but they would take the job because of the double pay and whatever it offers. Mammon. One of the things that shows that mammon is your God is when you compromise all your Christian principles for the love of it. I've seen Christians who take bribes all because of mammon. Mammon is your God. They take bribes. They will compromise their stand once an offer of money is, you know, on the table. And sometimes you might have the illusion that, oh, certain parts of the world practice bribery. Ladies and bribery is here in the Western world. I can confidently tell you from experience working in the corporate world in UK and in America. The bribery is here like crazy. I'm telling you, even the last time I was talking to my wife about something that, wow, this job, sometimes people will want to, you know, give you money on the side. And it's a lot of corruption. And if you don't take care, you'll be sucked into it. Sometimes when you listen to the news and everything and the information people have, we have been tempted to think that a certain part of the world deals with bribery and corruption. And that is why. Uh, the, 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 the governance of the day is what it is. But I'm telling you, here in the Western world, there is a lot of corruption, especially bribery. And I'm talking from experience. Just about three weeks ago, I was talking to my wife about some of, the, some of these pressing issues at my workplace. It's a lot. Amen. So don't compromise. Don't compromise your stand for money. Don't compromise your Christian principles for money. Don't do everything for money. If you do that, you are serving mammon. You are not serving God. And Jesus is saying that you have to make your stand clear. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve God. You can't serve mammon. It doesn't work. You have to serve just one. But sometimes we want to conveniently have mixed worship. You can't. When you do that, you are hurtling down the road to anxiety. Where you will have many troubles. Let me support this scripture with 1 Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy chapter 6. I pray that God will minister to us tonight. Be free. Amen. Don't allow the love of money to affect your joy. First Timothy chapter 6. 
First Timothy chapter 6 is very loaded. But let's start from verse 6. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. You know, next two weeks, when we come back to the book of Philippians, we will understand the secrets to contentment, joy. There's no joy, you will not be content. Amen. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men to destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil to which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You see, you pierce yourself with many sorrows when mammon becomes your God. And one of the sorrows or one of the troubles you experience will be anxiety. Do you understand? So, mammon should not be our God, the love of money. And when mammon becomes your God, you love money. You love it. You love it and you have an improper relationship with money. Money is supposed to be our servant. Money is supposed to be a tool. Money should not be your God. But when you love money, and when money becomes your God, money will make you stray from the faith. Money will let you become greedy, and money will let you pierce yourself with many sorrows. But you know the interesting thing here? Read verse 17. Command those who are, that's first Timothy of chapter 6, verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. So it's God that gives money, okay? It's God that gives money. And sometimes he gives us money through our work that we do. He gives it to us so that we will richly enjoy, but it shouldn't become our God. Because when it becomes our God, we will stray from the faith. And people have strayed from the faith because of money. I'm working 80 hours. I'm working 120 hours. Wow. Are you the president of this world? It, it has affected you so much that you've become an unbeliever. Have no time to pray. No time to be among the fellowship of the brethren. And the Bible warns us that we shouldn't forsake the assembly of the brethren. It gives us a warning. It's a command. You forsake that. You take that lightly. You take, the, you take the, the things of God lightly. You take Christian things lightly. All because of your chase. For money. So we should be careful. Because when you chase money, you will not be satisfied anyway. You become greedy. You pierce yourself with many sorrows and many troubles. And one of the troubles you pierce yourselves with is anxiety. Amen. So that's why sometimes it's good that the COVID came. Because I, I think the COVID came to also let we believers know. Do we really trust God? The COVID really purged ministries. Do we really trust God? Now we don't have members, we don't have anything. What are we going to do about our building? Uh, what are we going to do with, with our upkeep? Who do we trust? Churches closed. People I really admired during the COVID are full-time pastors. So I admire them. And I know many full-time pastors that are still full-time. Well, it must have been very hard. Think about it. But maybe, perhaps, 
perhaps maybe they looked at Matthew chapter 6 that seek first the kingdom of God. God is going to provide. I, I admire those people, but I'm not really a full-time minister, quote-unquote a full-time. I don't even know what that means, but I'm a lay pastor. So, you know, sometimes you have something to at least fall back on for survival and for sustenance. But what about those who are sold out completely to the Lord and then all that is taken away from them? It's tough. And I admire and salute those. They are my heroes. They are my heroes. They must have taken some special grace and perhaps applying the word of God. But be anxious for nothing. And we have to tackle the root of anxiety, which has to do with mammon. Amen. So if you are a joyful Christian, you will not be enslaved by the God of mammon. All right. Now, verse 8. And finally, brethren, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. So now we are back to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are pure, whatever things are just, whatever things are of good reports, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So whatever things are noble, noble means true. Whatever things are just, just, it also comes from the same word, righteousness. So whatever things are right. Whatever things are pure, it means immaculate from every fault. Whatever things are lovely, well, that's acceptable and pleasing. And whatever things are of good reports. This good reports meaning shocked me. It means things spoken in a kind spirit. So it's not about good reports, it's not about things spoken in a kind spirit. If there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So now it has shifted from our emotions to now our mind. We have to meditate on the word of God. Because the, the word of God is the embodiment of all these things. Whatever is true, right, immaculate from every fault, acceptable and pleasing, and whatever are things spoken in the spirit of kindness can all be found in the word of God. Meditate on these things. And not just that. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. So we are not just to meditate on the word of God. That's just one step. Meditation should help us, should give us muscle to be able to practice the word of God. That's the rule of meditation. Meditation should give us muscle to practice the word of God. So meditation is not the end or be all for a Christian. Meditation should be the muscle which gives us the ability to practice the word of God. And the Bible lets us know that when we practice the word of God, the God of peace will be with us. So it's different now. You see, when we pray, prayer is an invitation to the peace of God. When we apply the word of God that we have meditated upon, now the God of peace. Now, God himself is with us. You see? So you, you experience the peace of God by praying and you experience God's presence, the, the God himself of peace. This time it's not a virtue coming to you. It's the God of the virtue coming to you. And you experience that by practicing the word of God. But it will, it will start by meditation. Amen. So one of the ways to deal with anxiety is to meditate. Isaiah.
Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. Keep this scripture. Meditate on this scripture. I read, you will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So to experience the peace of God and then the God of peace will come by prayer and by meditation. When you meditate on God, the Bible lets us know you, he will give you perfect peace. Meditate. Make it a conscious effort to meditate. Some messages have been preached here on meditation. The last word I think I heard on meditation was by Pastor Jessica. I think it's on our podcast. So all of you who are subscribers to our podcast, uh, go back. You see the word meditation, Christian meditation. Listen to it. And start. Meditate. Meditate. Christian meditation. It means to take the word of God, sit down, think about it, ponder on it, and God will speak to you. So the status from there, three minutes, four minutes, five minutes. Start it from there. Time yourself. Sit down. This is what I read. This is what it means. What does it mean? Meditate. Think on these things. Amen. Wow. Time is really fast, man. It's five minutes to eight. So today, we've learned on how to deal with anxiety. And we've realized that the root cause of anxiety is the love of money. The over-dependence on money can be a cause of anxiety. Amen. And anxiety will only happen when joy is absent. So when you find yourself anxious, you are, you are troubled with cares absolutely. It means that your level of joy might be down. You need to build your relationship with God. Amen. And we've learned that a joyful Christian will pray at all times. And when, and when you pray, prayer is an invitation to the peace of God. And the peace of God will work best in the hearts of a joyful Christian. Not just that, we've also learned that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds. So peace will become like a soldier. People who are joyful are not really stressed. And it's not because life is peaches and cream. Life might be very tough for them, but they are at peace because peace is God in their hearts and mind. We also learned that a joyful Christian meditates. Meditate on the scriptures because when you have peace, you can easily express the joy of God. Amen. So that's it for now. And then we've also learned that when we practice God's word, we now experience God because the Bible says that God of peace will be with us. Amen. So that's it for tonight. Who has any questions or contributions? The floor is welcome before we close. God bless you. Do you understand tonight? What have we learned tonight? Have we all learned something tonight? Yeah. I um, I think we one of the things we have mentioned today is that um, we can overcome anxiety when we have joy in the Lord. And um, again, we should 
when we have joy in, in, in the Lord, money doesn't become, or material things does not become our God, and it does not take us away from the presence of God. And then um, we once we, we are anxious for nothing and we have joy, then um, the God who is, the one who is the Lord or the God of all these um, virtues will also be on our side or will belong to us as well. Amen. Amen. All right, we have one minute more to close. Does anybody have any question, any contribution? Yes, God is your source, not your job or paycheck. Thank God for your job. Thank God for your job. God blesses you through your job. God gives you all things richly to enjoy. All right? But don't make that your God. Don't make that mistake. Amen. So we all thank God for jobs. I thank God for my job. Because through my job, I get money. I make money. But I shouldn't make the mistake of making my job Jehovah Jireh. God should be my Jehovah Jireh. Because the day I make the job my Jehovah Jireh, as the scripture says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, I have pierced myself with many sorrows, including anxiety. Amen. And we want to be free from anxiety. We pray tonight that may we be free from anxiety, that joy will have its full expression. I pray that may we all have peace. May we experience the peace of God. Above all, may we also experience the presence of the God of peace because we have qualitatively made a decision to walk in the precepts of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Thank you all for making time to attend tonight. God willing, on Sunday, we have a guest speaker, Minister Michelle Soga should be ministering. So I'm looking forward to seeing some of you on Sunday. Amen. So thank you all for coming. God bless. Enjoy the rest of the week. Good night.